0: Welcome to the Break Your Bullshit Box podcast where excuses aren't tolerated and results are earned through authenticity, vulnerability, and a commitment to excellence. My name is Amber Furman, success architect, attorney, and NLP trainer. If you're ready to bitch slap the bully in your brain, overcome the bullshit that holds you back, and design the life and success you've always wanted, then it's time for you to break your bullshit box and step into designing life and success on your terms. Welcome back to another episode of the Break Your Bullshit Box podcast. I am so excited to bring our guest, Angie Coley. Angie is a leadership and communication coach. She believes that people, profits, and processes are the most important parts of a business, and she helps creative service providers and founders become the leaders their business needs to thrive. She is known as the One Woman Bomb Squad because if anyone can defuse a tense client or team situation, she can. Her mission is to help people grow their team with more confidence and less stress without becoming a completely different person or losing their edge. And we really dig into this a lot in the episode. Angie has a master's degree from Carnegie Mellon and has consulted with and run creative teams for Jeff Walker's Profit Launch Formula, Masterclass, Lowe's, Copy Chief, Orzee Media, and Robert Kiyosaki's rich dad brand when she's not writing or publishing new episodes of her podcast permission to kick ass you'll find her on the road living as a full-time digital nomad with our cats, Stella and Ollie. Angie and I had such an incredible conversation and we talked about how technology has sometimes taken the human out of conversations, how we can bring that back in to start to create the connections that we would wanna have with people face to face. How do we give ourselves permission to really know that it's okay to go out and kick ass? And then once we're there, how do we make sure that we get rid of the excuses that we want? to let go of so that we can have everything that we want in life. It was such a great conversation and I'm so looking forward to sharing it with you. Before we jump into that, I mentioned last week that I am in the process of building a course. It is going to be coming out very, very soon. This course is meant for anybody who is tired of the hamster wheel and rat race that sometimes goes along with building a business, feeling like you have to rob from your business side of life to spend time in your life side of life, or you have to take from your life side of life to give to your business side of life. If you are ready to build the business that you deserve to have and to do it without the frustration, the confusion, and the discouragement that sometimes comes along with the challenges of running a business then let's have a conversation about whether this is good information for you to have. Head over to Success Development Solutions, click on that book a call link, and let's jump on a call to see if it's a good fit. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump into this conversation with Angie. Angie, thank you so much for coming on the show with me. I really, really appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm doing
1: great. I loved uh, talking beforehand about the red hair. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes, I do like the red hair. And I was actually just looking over your left shoulder that mm-hmm. um, you've got this sign. Um, I didn't notice that before. Is it a candle or is it a sign with a candle in front it's of it? It's actually, so I've got it
1: um, like earthquake shellacked here so that the, the kitten can't run through here and knock it off like he always does. But this is actually like a, a pseudo neon light. I just don't have it plugged in because it's pink and I'm not crazy about pink. Is red, it would totally be on, but right. I loved the message. My stepmom got that for me when I opened that. I was like, Oh, she gets me, she gets me so deeply. So now it's just in the background as a piece, and I love it.
0: Yeah, it's great, it definitely fits your vibe for sure. And I <laughs> love the bookshelf that's going on back there, too. Like the thank you, the slanted, it's just so cool. Setup,
1: I found that on Amazon. Check it out. Uh, they've got like small ones. And then they've got like six foot ones too with the slanty shelf. It's a little complicated to put together, but nothing uh, an old Ikea furniture pro couldn't handle.
0: Yeah. You know, we talk all the time about how we used to survive without maps and GPS and all of that stuff. And that's all great and valid. I'm curious as to how we survived without Amazon, because I cannot imagine a time in my life that I couldn't have something delivered in two days.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we were actually I was talking about that with somebody recently because they asked me about kind of my history, my entrepreneurial journey. And I told them it started with a book. And it's interesting because back then I had to get thee to Barnes and Noble, take your ass actually down the street to a store and buy the book and buy the book for full retail price for 20 bucks you don't have versus finding a gently used copy for half price on Amazon and having it shipped straight to your door. That wasn't too long ago. That was just a, uh, that was yeah. 2010.
0: Yeah. We were talking about this on a um, podcast with another guest a while back. And we were talking about how, if you ask somebody that was born in the seventies or eighties um, what they've experienced technologically speaking in their lifetime. And then over the last 30, 40, Oh, I guess seventies and eighties was like 60 years ago. <laughs> that was yeah. a long time ago, but um the 70s and 80s to the 2000s we experienced such technological growth that before that and after that they don't know what it's like to go from you know hoping you don't break down on the side of the road because you're gonna have to walk to the next house and you have no cell phones mm-hmm. um they, there just hasn't been another generation where there is that much changes that quickly and it was pretty cool to be a part of
1: oh yeah going from uh what, 25-foot-long corded phones so that you could actually walk from one house, one end of the house to the other, call waiting. Oh, my gosh, all of that. Having to save all of your minutes on your cell phone until after 9 p.m.? (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, I remember that. Or not caring and then getting kicked off your mom's bill because yeah. um, you didn't listen. So, yeah, I think we've all been there. I'm so excited to dig into this conversation with you for so many reasons. We sit here and we talk about all the things that we've experienced in changes through our lifetime and these technological advances. And one thing that hasn't changed and yet has in so many ways is the way that we communicate with ourselves and others, the mm-hmm. way that we lead people, the people, the processes, the systems, all the things that we use to live our life, whether you're a business owner, salesperson, or whether you're an employee wanting to do the best you can. We have all these new technological advances. Human beings are the same and yet different. And sometimes it feels like we are trying to operate these new machines with old school techniques. And Mm -hmm. I'm so excited to dig into how you, as they heard in the intro, a business mentor for badasses and rebels, um, <laughs> are able to really um, help people reach that next level. So let's talk about that first. Yeah. What do you think is the biggest old school thought that business owners, leaders, um, sales people have that no longer serves today's thinking and communication?
1: Oh, that's good. Like coming out of the gate with a hard one. Um, I think an old school thought would be that we have to change the way that we communicate because all of the technology and stuff is Mm -hmm. changing. And to an extent that's true, right? We're going to have to learn how to say use Slack versus using exclusively email. So that way changes, but the interpersonal dynamic doesn't actually change the clarity of instructions that people need, the the setting of expectations and the outcomes that we're aiming for, clarifying who is responsible for what and by when. Like all of those things don't change, even though the packaging around it, whether it's Slack, whether it's a Zoom meeting, whether it's a project management software, whether it's a face-to-face meeting, that may change, even though the language really shouldn't.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad you started there because... I've always said this. I said, um, would you walk into a bar or a restaurant or a networking event, go stand next to somebody that you found interesting, say, hey, you seem interesting, and then not say another word. And they're like, no, of course not, (laughs) of course I wouldn't. And I said, then why the hell do you go friend 5,000 people on social media and never talk to them? Why Mm -hmm. do you, like, because that's the equivalent. Just yeah. because it's social media, doesn't mean that it needs any less social interaction yeah. to build relationships than if you were to walk into a bar and have a face-to-face conversation mm-hmm. with somebody. What do you oh, think yeah. the reason is that we think technology eliminates the need to communicate?
1: I, I think because like there's this disconnect, right? That uh, um, I'm just like connections, but we're not thinking of those connections as hu- as people as humans on the other end of that. Mm. I think that's also what's led to the the rise of the Karen, so to speak with (laughs) people treating each other like garbage, like, because I'm entitled to this and you are preventing. So you're a bad person because I'm not getting what I wanted. And it was funny you used the bar example. I would love to circle back to that and take that even a step further. Would you walk up to somebody in a bar and be like, Hey, I can get you 20 to 60 leads next week, not using any spam whatsoever. would you have time to hop on a call next week? First of all, fuck you. I'm standing right here I don't have time to hop on a call next week. Why don't you get your shit out right now, right? <laughs> We're just gonna drop all of the swear words right now um, second of all hi I mean, you don't know anything about my business and whether or not I can handle 20 to 60 leads or whether I actually want them. And yet I've literally gotten that same copy copy and pasted word for word message six times over the last four days on LinkedIn. And I'm like, who's crappy sales program just let out? Y'all are...
0: Right. (laughs) And I think that's the most important thing for us to remember when we get frustrated by that approach is that nine times out of 10, the people that are using it were taught to use it by somebody and they don't know any better. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, When I get those, the very first thing, sometimes, not very often, but sometimes the things that go through my head get caught in the filter before they come out of my mouth. Um, (laughs) It happens a little, Bit more when I'm typing because I actually have to think about what I'm typing than yeah. when I'm talking. But my very first thought when I get those messages is how are you going to teach me how to do this without being spammy when you obviously can't? Yes. Um, because what you just gave me is entirely spammy, right? Yeah. Um, you can't favorite- think for yourself,
1: you don't know how to yeah, communicate. You exactly. haven't even you taken- copied and
0: pasted. Well, it's funny. Um, I
1: had to stir the pot because I wrote a post about that. Like, if you're going to spam my in-mail, please at least make sure you're not using the exact word-for-word copy and paste template that four other people sent to me. And I started sending that message to people and going, you should really read this.
0: (laughs) Or eliminate (laughs) that insert name here. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, those are yeah. always the best ones to get that's like hey insert name here you mm-hmm. seem like a great fit for my program um yeah, yeah and no I-
1: shame or judgment if you use that we all started there we all use templates you just got to learn to think for yourself and make a human connection anybody that sells says that these templates work 100 of the time they're just trying to sell you stuff
0: well nothing works 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. So they are just trying to sell you stuff. And I'm glad that you I'm glad that you said that because it is important for people to know that there's no there's no judgment anywhere here. We've all been there. Um mm-hmm. if I go back through some of my social media reach outs, um they are horrific. And there have <laughs> been times where I've tried things and I'm like, "Oh, Amber, if mm-hmm. you only knew." And what's so important is that so many times people are covering up insecurities about themselves or the process or the system and so they're trying to sound more confident than they are Mm -hmm. and sometimes what people on the other end need is like you know I'm trying so hard to build my business and do it without feeling scammy or not scammy but spammy Mm -hmm. and I don't know how to do it because I've never cold called before and this is the equivalent of cold calling so forgive me if that's what this sounds like I'd be so much more willing to engage in a human conversation with that person. Mm -hmm. So I encourage, first of all, the reason I'm making this caveat is if you're listening to this and you're saying, Oh my gosh, are they talking about me and my processes? Number one, if you have those thoughts, probably not because you're, thinking um no, number 2 <laughs> right um number 2 like we've all been there and all we can do is try to get better mm-hmm. and try to be human at the same time so let's back up now that we've woken people up maybe scared a little <laughs> bit some people might have turned us off already i have no idea let's go way back when did you start deciding that teaching people about sales, leadership, communication, people, processes, and all of the things that go into making business was what you wanted to do with your career.
1: I think the seeds of it started in about 2017, 2018. I was still like the bulk of my time was running a, like an industry leading celebrity marketers writing team. And so I started writing my book back then talking about it and I still didn't really quite know what I wanted to say, but I had just been invited by a friend to coach in his program. And I was starting to realize that copywriting, which is my background, didn't feel like it anymore. It didn't feel like the fascinating puzzle it once was. It felt like I needed to go deeper. And then I started helping people solve these problems that were, you know, my client and I are struggling and I don't know whether this is a red flag or if like something I truly messed up working through that problem. Um, I've been at the same rate with this client for the past three years and like I don't know if that means I need to fire them if they're never going to pay me more like how do I even approach that so it just became layering in solving these other problems beyond copy that I found fascinating, and so when I started writing my book I'm like, I wish I had known all of these things when I first started freelancing, because like to tie it into what we talked about at the beginning. I didn't know how to drum up business when I first started freelancing. My first attempt was a miserable, abject failure. Oh, I dropped flyers I on my local town. Like I got up at five o'clock in the morning with my home printed, like waiting for one line at a time to eke out flyers, and like I was so embarrassed about potentially being caught by these business owners that I was out at five o'clock in the morning dropping these flyers. Like, please don't catch mm. me. Unsurprisingly, I didn't get any bites from that because the the energy is all off. I didn't have any faith. I didn't know what I was doing. I was pushing my stuff on people instead of taking a chance and getting to know them and building genuine connections. Um, So I just, I, I wrote a book called permission to kick ass that I call a love letter to a younger me. And it's like everything I wish I knew about starting a creative business that focuses on these people, these offers and profits and these processes so that you can get it all together.
0: I love the name of your book. We mentioned this before we started recording. I love the name of it all the podcast, the book, all of it. <laughs> and I think the things that I that I love the most about it is you quash some of the biggest objections in that name. Number oh. one, it's okay to kick ass. Mm-hmm. It's okay to kick ass. You should. Yeah. Um, I did a podcast episode a while back about how humility is bullshit, mm-hmm. how we shouldn't have it. How like I'm not saying that you shouldn't be down to earth and that you should go around being thinking that you're better than everybody else. That is yeah. absolutely not it. But if you look up the definition of humble and humility in yeah. the dictionary, it literally means diminishing your self-worth. Mm. And why in the world would we ever want to diminish our importance or self-worth? Yeah. So it is absolutely okay to kick ass. It's okay mm-hmm. to be successful. The other part of that, though, is there are so many people who especially in the generations that we came from are waiting for somebody to tell them that it's okay to act. Yes. We have always been told, okay, it's okay to do these things. You need permission to do this. You need mm-hmm. permission to sell permission-based marketing for but. but I love the fact that in permission to kick ass, you are telling people number one, it's okay. And number yeah. two, if you have been waiting for somebody to give you permission to do it, this is it. Now you yes. can go. And I love and it for all those reasons.
1: Me too. I'm so grateful to my mentor for get, I told him a while back I'm shamelessly stealing this. And I am, it's it's the podcast, it's the book. But uh, I had joined a community for copywriters because I wanted to, I had gone corporate by that time with my copy career and I wanted to try freelancing again with the help of a business coach, somebody who had built a copywriting business and could show me what I missed the first time around. And so I joined this community, not really knowing what I was looking for. And it was still small enough back then to where he noticed when new people joined and especially when they didn't talk for four months like me. Um, So he got me on a call and asked me, can I, can I ask why you haven't? said anything. And I was like, oh, this, well, this awesome person over here has such incredible things to say. And that person over there is really smart. Like, how can I compete with that? I don't have anything to add to this. And he goes, you do realize that there are people in this community that would kill to have your kind of experience with copywriting and like to have the job and be in the position that you're in. So I feel like you're waiting for permission for somebody to tell you that it's okay to say something and you don't actually need it. You can help people exactly where you are, knowing exactly what you know right now without having to change a single other thing. There is such a thing as accidental expertise. Like you could be a person that went through a really crappy divorce and then people start coming to you for help with the divorce because they know that you've been there, done that. You didn't set out to do that, but you're the expert that they see. So just help people knowing what you know now. And if you're waiting for somebody to give you permission, I hereby anoint you expert enough to help people. (laughs) I hereby
0: anoint you. That's amazing. He said that to me. (laughs) I I apparently
1: needed it though.
0: Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I remember, I don't remember where I heard it. Um, I remember what I felt when I heard it the first time though, when somebody told me everybody's an expert to somebody. Because I sat back there and thought the exact same thing like, who am I? And, you know, I come from the legal industry. And so I would say, who am I? And all of a sudden, everybody around me would be like, besides the attorney, the first person to go to law school, the all these things like, who are you other than that? Is that what you're Mm -hmm. asking? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't need your logic right now. Right. (laughs) Um,
1: But, I'm deep in my feels. Don't logic me right now. Yes.
0: There's no (laughs) room for logic in my emotions. Um, When when I would go to these big, huge events, which I feel like is where so many people start. They start by saying, I'm going to go to this big, massive event because they're drawn there by the big names. Mm -hmm. And they get there and they see, you know, at my first event, it was the coal hatters of the world. It was, um, Andy Frisella. It was, you know, all of these big, huge name people. Mm -hmm. And then they had people that I had never heard of that were talking about how they had a leg amputated after being in combat. And then they had like this, this big, um, accident where they had to learn how to walk again. And I'm like, I healthy come from a great family I'm um, sure I've had some trauma in my life, but who hasn't? Yeah. Why would anybody listen to me?
1: And exactly. what I
0: realized was that similar to you, when you're like, well, look at this person and look at this person and look at this person and all they have to share, sometimes they're so far along on their journey that the mm-hmm. people who need to learn from them can't connect with them. Yes. Because just like me sitting in that, in that event for the first time, I could have never seen myself on stage because Mm -hmm. I didn't have the millions of followings. I didn't have the horrific near death experience that I came back from and became successful from. Right. And there was nobody in the in between that was talking about that. I didn't Mm -hmm. know that there were people out there that needed to be reminded that it was okay to change careers. I didn't know that there was that people out there that needed that. So to the person who's listening to this and saying, I don't know what I have to share, just like Angie said, there's somebody and lots of somebody's out there that need to hear exactly what it is that you have to tell them. They're just oh, waiting yeah. for you to decide that you're ready to share it.
1: Yeah. And you've got to remember that you can't see the label from inside the bottle, right? You can't mm-hmm. see what other people are saying about you, what other people find interesting. So I I did digital nomad- nomadism for the last few years, and a lot of people are actually surprised to find out about that because I'm not on social media going like, "Oh my god!" Like selfie off a cliff and the the posed Instagram stuff. Which, if if that's you, cool. You found a way to do things, right? But I actually just wanted to go out and live the experiences. And sometimes, if I remembered, I posted pictures of of food or adventures that I did and did a little write up. But I really didn't talk about my travels a whole lot, and. This is relevant because somebody I kept getting challenged. People were like, "Write about your travels. Share." We were living vicariously through you in COVID times. Tell us what's going on. And I was dealing with some breakup trauma at the time, and I I couldn't dissociate the idea of writing from like exposing my grief to the world, and I didn't want to do it. So I wound up talking to somebody, and I was like, "What? What the hell do you even want me to talk about? Like doing the dishes? life. And she was like. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like I'm really curious. Like I never even thought about that. What do you do in somebody else's house? Like, how do you even travel? And that was like further compounded by I told somebody, like, yeah, doing doing the laundry again. Hashtag digital nomad life. Uh, I have a laundry scar, and she was like, "You have a laundry scar? What it? What happened? Tell me more. I need to know." And it was just in having those conversations where I kind of rebelled against this idea of what do I even have to share? This isn't exciting. Who wants to hear about me doing laundry on the road? Apparently, people want to hear about me doing laundry on the road because it's different from what they do in their daily life. This is just daily life to me. It's new and interesting and fascinating to them. The same is true of you, no matter whether you are a digital nomad or not. You're doing things that are interesting and fascinating that other people want an eye into. And not, it's not going to be until you start talking about that, that you're going to realize what those interesting things are because people will start to ask you questions.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I run into this a lot with my clients as well when they're like, I would really like to um, start telling, teaching people how to do things and sharing my story and, and doing all this stuff, but I don't know what I would teach them. And I think sometimes we forget how much we know. Yeah. and then we assume that everybody else knows the same things that we do that because mm-hmm. it's easy for us and we know how to do it that everybody else must too it's so important for us to step back and think these are all the things that i know how to do and mm-hmm. these are the- and especially now in this day and age you can make money doing anything if you yeah. are unhappy in the career that you have it is nobody's fault but your own that you're still there mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And that's a hard truth to hear, especially when you feel trapped. It can feel very mm-hmm. visceral. I was talking about this with somebody else too, especially if you're, I'm, I'm a neurodivergent person. When the feels hit me, oh gosh, they hit like a freight train <laughs> and it feels like there's no light, there's no possibility, but you can sign a lease tomorrow for a new apartment and break it the next day. You could buy a house and close on it in a couple of weeks, and then immediately turn around and sell it. You can undo just about any decision that you've made. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy or that it's going to be pain-free, but you have a lot more choices than you feel like you have. They just might be hard ones, and so they're
0: very unattractive, and you don't want to take them. Yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, one of my favorite quotes is, don't give up your peace because chaos is comfortable. Yes. And we sit there in this cesspool of bullshit that we live in Mm -hmm. and we say i know that like that shower's amazing but i don't know what it feels like to not Mm -hmm. deal with this bullshit every single day and there are so many people who and i i love and i have a few friends in mind they know who they are i don't say anything (laughs) on this podcast that i wouldn't say to them um who are always the first to call me that say amber i hate drama oh my gosh, did you hear about all of this? And I'm like, for somebody who hates drama, you sure pull yourself into it a lot, right? Mm -hmm. Like, but where else is that showing up in our lives? Where else are we saying, I don't want this life. Oh, wait, let me dig another Mm -hmm. nail into the coffin of staying in this life.
1: Yeah, and we do it sometimes without thinking about it too. Like we expand our lifestyle to match the raise that we just got. So now we're feeling trapped in a job but that's a trap of our own making, right? We had a little bit more agency and it's, I mean, I get that now with how expensive everything has become, that it's changed a little bit. And I'm fortunate to have started a business when I did. It's a little bit harder these days. And also where there's a will, there's a way. Like if you see limitations, that's all you're going
0: to see. 100%. And it's so important for people to realize that. So with that being said, Um, We found out where um, Permission to Kick Ass came from. Where do you see your business going from here? Who is it that you love to help the most? And Mm. what is kind of your purpose and mission in the world moving forward?
1: That's, you know, I had a fantastic conversation with somebody at a business event recently. Shout out to Donnie uh, of the Badass Business Summit. He really challenged me on my thinking you know that that kind of aggravating way when people ask you direct questions and they don't really give you time to think. They just keep pushing you until you blurt things that you haven't really thought about. So he kept pushing me. I, I I told you a little bit about before the call. I had wanted to pivot, like burn everything down with my marketing business and and start over in leadership and communications and just that, right? Only that, change it. And he challenged me very gently but very firmly on, are you sure you're done with that? I get the sense that copywriting is still something that you're interested in. He just kept asking me questions and he asked me something very similar to that that was like, so what are you doing all of this for anyway? Like, what's the end game? And in a moment of frustration, like I said, I was trying to give that context because it was building up. I just kind of like... I don't know. I was vibrating with frustration. And I said, I don't want another single creative person to go to the grave thinking that they're not good enough, that they can't figure it out, mm-hmm. that they're not smart enough, that they don't have something to offer the world. And if I can be a part of helping them create more, build a business and a life that they do, get their work out there, actually feel like they're doing something meaningful, then yes, that's what I want. Like, I get goosebumps just ranting about that now, going, you know, I grew up as a creative person being told do something practical. You're so smart. Mm. Be a doctor or a lawyer, do something guaranteed, like basically sacrifice all of who you are, everything that's special about you, everything that brings you joy for the almighty dollar, go make that money. And then you'll be able to do whatever you want. Well, been there, fuck that. Uh, I've chased dollars for most of my life and been miserable in the process. Now I'm going to chase what lights me up and I'm going to Build a freaking army of creators and creative service providers and other people that want to build a business that's not the traditional stuff that, you know, those of us in uh, the cusp of Gen X and millennials grew up being told, go to college, do something Mm. guaranteed, get a job, retire, Eh, fuck all that. No.
0: Yeah, no, I'm 100% with you. And it's such, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. The. All right trying to decide how deep I want to go with this. And we're going to say, fuck it (laughs) and go. It's always like buckle up, right? Um, All the way down
1: the rabbit hole. I'm here for it. All
0: the way down the rabbit hole. Um, I think that one of the most harmful questions we were asked as kids was, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm -hmm. And I think that we still ask it in a way that creates a need to be something different than we are now. And to the extent That people from our generation on the cusp of that Gen X and millennial cross um, feel like nothing's ever good enough. I think that it's because we were asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And we were never taught to live in the moment. Mm -hmm. As creatives, that is incredibly dangerous. Because what's the first thing that they say to a creative? Well, how are you going to make money on it? Yep. And then what's the first thing that they say to a business owner? Well, you're not creative enough you need to be more creative. So you tell one that they're not practical enough. You tell the other, they're not creative enough. And then Mm -hmm. you criticize them when they bring more into it. We have constantly been told that we need to be something different than what we are. How do Mm -hmm. we start to combat that moving forward? Because we're coming into a world where love them or hate them, the Gen Zs of the world will run us over with creativity and leave us behind if we try to be practical about our lives.
1: They absolutely will. And I think the interesting thing is that we've got to unpack what we think creativity is, right? I've had this conversation with people before who go, I'm not creative, but they've got this very narrow definition of what they think a creative is. And they think it is the Gen Z person who's got a million person following because they do these really funny skits. They think it's somebody like me who does writing or somebody that does photography, like core creative skills like that. But there's a lot of creativity in being an accountant who finds a new system or creates a new spreadsheet. There's a lot of creativity in somebody who does law and finds a new case or a new angle or an argument to make. Like there's creativity inherent in every industry out there. And I would love to help people cultivate that and understand that creativity doesn't necessarily mean that you are a painter or a photographer or a singer, something like that. Being a creative can mean that you know how to connect to seemingly unrelated things and find a new way forward that other people can't. That is creativity in a nutshell to me.
0: Yeah, I remember I used to say I was not creative all the time. I failed sixth grade art. It was the first class I ever failed and I was devastated. I could not shade to save my life. And I think that was probably one of my first fuck up moments was they were like, you've got a shade in order to move on. And I'm like, then I guess I fail sixth grade art. And so for my entire life, I told myself I wasn't creative. Mm -hmm. And then I started this podcast and I still said, I'm not creative. I'm not creative. And I had a guy on my podcast. He wrote a book called creative careers. And I remember thinking, this is really awesome because I'm not very creative. And he goes, my God, you must be an awful attorney. (laughs) Oh and God. I was like, "What? What? No, I'm a great attorney." And he's like, "You can't be a great attorney and not creative at the same time."
1: Yep. Not oh, possible. I love him. I don't even know him, and, and I, love him I was
0: already. like, "This, okay, fine." And then all of a sudden, as soon as I eliminated that I'm not creative from my in my vocabulary, the world opened up with possibilities of things that I could do, mm-hmm. and. So I think it's interesting the way that the things that we constantly tell ourselves, and this is why I was so excited for this conversation, because the combination of permission to kick ass and break your bullshit box together
1: Mm -hmm. is
0: the sweet spot. Give yourself permission, know that it's okay to kick ass, and then all of the things that you tell yourself – about why you can't do it, get to get kicked to the curb and destroyed, which is what needs to happen, right? But until Mm -hmm. we give ourselves permission to kick ass, we never find out what is behind that Mm -hmm. that is holding us back. Because I don't have permission to do this becomes the lens that we see things through. We don't get to the I'm not creative. We get to the, and and this is big in licensed industries, right? Right. As an attorney, if the state bar doesn't tell me that it's okay, then it's not okay. It's not an ask for forgiveness profession. Mm -mm. Doctors, it's not an ask for forgiveness profession. Growing up in school, traditional education does not teach us to ask for forgiveness. It teaches us to ask for permission. And so that permission becomes the filter through everything. And behind it is all of the other stuff.
1: By the same token, exactly like you said, with with the guy challenging you on, you must, you must not be a great lawyer if you're not that creative. Doctors, the same way too. Would we have LASIK surgery, which I, I got in Columbia of all places five years ago. Would we have these innovative things where we could literally fix our malfunctioning bodies if it weren't for creative doctors who maybe challenged the status quo and didn't ask? They asked for forgiveness instead of permission and some of them probably really you know ate shit and got in trouble in a big way but then it led to innovation so like there's always going to be risks when you decide to do a thing but like part of permission to kick ass is recognizing that you have your own inner authority and a lot of us have been trained to not trust it mm-hmm. we, we we need an adult here adult somebody that's smarter than me to tell me that I'm on the right track right and yeah. sometimes you just don't know that you're on the right track until you follow it
0: for a little while and then go well crap, that was the wrong direction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, When you're, where you're taking, you've mentioned copywriting a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And I think this is so important because people don't understand that copy is in everything. They're like, I'm not an author, so I don't need to know about copywriting. Well, have you ever posted an ad on social media? Have you ever tried to get clients on social media? Have you ever Um, bought a ad spot in a magazine. If you can answer yes to any of those things, then you need copy. So Mm -hmm. where does, I'm kind of seeing this Venn diagram because I'm a nerd, where does permission to kick ass, creativity and copywriting, how do they mix together to create that sweet spot in the middle?
1: Oh, interesting. So I see business as this holistic thing. And I think too often we can get fixated on fixing our processes or hiring the right people or creating the right marketing message and and the right offer. And like, we'll focus on something to the detriment of the others. So I like to see them as all interconnected. So I'm glad that you brought it up in that way. Um, In terms of like marketing and copy, the interesting thing to me about it is in my industry, which is kind of weird, like copywriting is very a celebrity obsessed cult. There are celebrity copywriters that go to you know marketing events or things like that and get mobbed by new copywriters and look like, oh my, oh my God, gosh, yeah. it's it's bizarre and fascinating and i love watching it as somebody who is widely regarded as a, a celebrity copywriter it's it's weird but anyway um i i constantly feel like i have to let down new copywriters and tell them the copywriting despite the message that you've been sold it is important yes because it's about how you talk about what you offer it's about how you present yourself to the world it's about how you build connections with your people and also if you've got a really good offer and you know your people you can do it without doing the copywriting really really well the copy is the thing that can take the offer and audience sweet spot and exponentially multiply this into you know your, suddenly you're suddenly you courting investors or initial public offering like mm. that's that's the rocket fuel that can make a solid business take off but until you've got the offer and the audience you know, the copy doesn't have to be no amount of phenomenal genius expert motivational copy is going to sell a shit product. And if it does sell a shit product, you're going to get a lot of refunds and a lot of bad word of mouth very, very quickly to the point that it's a detriment in the business. So like, I love copy. I've done it for 13 years. I think it's something that every business owner should familiarize themselves with it. But to the point where you're thinking about how do I talk. What do I want to say? Who am I talking to? What's important? And we talked about this before the show. Am I somebody that drops F bombs on a podcast? For you and me, absolutely. Absolutely. That's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> like, for other people, it's I would never swear. I was brought up to be against that and I feel very strong. Cool. I respect that. Do you know that about your business and your brand and the way that you speak to people?
0: Why? And about Don't your clientele. Yeah. Right. There are people, you know, I'm building a course right now and I'm in a Facebook group for support on it. And I posted the name of my course in there, which is also the name of my podcast and the name on my book. And mm-hmm. there were a bunch of people that commented and they're like, I like it. I just don't like the word shit. And I said, I can appreciate yep. that. And you're clearly not my target
1: market. Exactly. You're oh my clearly gosh, I,
0: not my ideal client. I because that if, with the if shit readers. bothers you, you don't want to hear the rest of the stuff that comes out of my mouth. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I meant to that. I had that with my beta readers. I had somebody say um, she loved it. She was like, "Oh my gosh!" I knew like two people that really needed to read this book. I thought it would would blow their minds and it would really help them. And I know that they would never read it because of the swearing. And I said, "That's great. There's probably another book, another leader out there for them that can share that message that they need to hear that resonates with them in a way that doesn't distract them because." it swears and they don't like swears. That's fine. If you can't get what I'm saying because you're so distracted by, Oh my God, she said shit. Then I don't want it. Like I'm going to, sometimes shit is the right word. Sometimes it is. You're going to have to get over it.
0: And as much though, as much as we say that, and I want to make this clear because it's 100% truth for me and I have a feeling it's going to be truth for you. As Mm -hmm. much as there are people out there who say, I can't connect with or listen to this because the swearing immediately turns me off. I know someone's my person Mm -hmm. as soon as they say something. Like I remember when I picked um, a partner I was going to be working with in a workshop, a live workshop. And I picked them because they were the first person that I felt like used down to earth language. Mm -hmm. So avoiding this whole Put together copy conversation, like you said before. I'm a true believer that, yes, copy is important. And also, the basis of copy al- always has to be you. Because if yes. you have this well polished, put together black tie offer with copy, mm-hmm. if someone was to create that for me and I get on a sales call and I am me, mm-hmm. they're going to be like, whoa, 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 this is not what I thought I was getting. Yeah. And then you've wasted all that money. Yeah. There's an instant disconnect. I actually,
1: I've turned away clients when I was still doing freelance work that would bring me examples of how they wanted something done. If you're using that as inspiration, great. I'm going to take kind of the underlying strategy flow, logic train, and I'm going to use your stories and your voice and your perspective over the top of that. But if you literally are like, well, but I don't like what you wrote because you should say it like they say it. Like, No, don't copy somebody else to build your own mm-hmm. business. How on earth are you going to stand out and build your own market and your own following and your own fans if you're copying somebody else? Don't reinvent yeah. the wheel, but don't copy people either.
0: Well, and I think it's interesting because taking this and this conversation, this is why I love podcasting so much because I have all these concepts in my head about human behavior. And I always talk to people that make me think about them differently. And I've never Mm. thought of copy like this before. So scientifically, Mm. and I'll make this really quick scientifically, it's been proven that we are imprinted between the ages of zero and seven. Hmm. And then from the ages of eight and 14, we start modeling the people around us. And then from the ages of like 14 to 21, that's when we become teenagers. Our parents don't know shit. And all yep. of a sudden we are going out into the world trying to figure out who we are. Mm-hmm. This is the same way that our business copy should be, right? Yeah. Like that zero to seven, we're finding out what is what are my boundaries. Mm-hmm. What are my beliefs? Where do I want to? What do I want to talk about? Where's the outer boundaries of where I'm willing to go? Yeah. And then who does it like this? And then how can I rip that apart and make it my own? If we're mm-hmm. not taking that three step the same way that humans are developed, if yeah. our brand isn't developed the same way, then we're missing something. And I just put that together. I think it's an incredible. Way that you think about Mm -hmm. re addressing and redefining, yeah, the way that we use models to make our own copy.
1: I love that you brought that up, and I love the way that you tied that together because I do think that that's pretty much the learning curve for anybody that wants to go into copy. It's like, oh my gosh, learning everything that I can right to a baby the the best experience they've had is literally the best experience that they've had in their life so this copy concept is new and exciting and it feels like it's got to be everything until the next best thing comes along right and then we start to know a little bit more and we start to break free and exactly like you said all right i'm emulating this person because i like what they have to say and i'm emulating that person because i like what they have to say and i'm trying to figure out how to make it my own and then you get into those teenage and 20 years and it's like i know no you know what i can do better I'm going to rebel against this and maybe you make some wild swings and misses and maybe you make some wild swings and really knock it out of the park. Right. You start to experiment. I actually posted about this the other day on LinkedIn. Like, I wish I knew half the shit that I thought I did in my 20s. Ain't that the truth? Yeah, because after your rebellion and you really start to actually find your voice and that inner authority and settle into your own without swinging the pendulum quite so widely from one thing to another. So it's it's all a process. And if you're in any one of those stages, hey, welcome to the club. We've all been there.
0: Yeah. we've And some of us still are, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love this conversation. I think that you and I could talk forever. Um, yes. Your book, your podcast, Permission to Kick Ass, if people want to continue the conversation, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you?
1: Awesome. Well, they can find Permission to Kick-Ass on all major streaming platforms. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn under Angie Coley. Uh, basically, any social media out there, I'm either under Permission to Kick-Ass or Angie Coley. Uh, p- feel free to send me a message and to connect. My website is also permissiontokickass.com. If you sign up for emails there, you'll be finding out about the pre-order links and all of that jazz. I don't know when this airs exactly, but uh, depending on when it airs, the book is either coming out. november Okay. It, it it's uh about to come out in just a couple short weeks. Uh, December first is when it releases the uh, book for my yep for my fortieth birthday. That was the arbitrary decision I made because I don't want to attach to something like bestseller. I was just like, happy birthday! I published
0: a book. I. <laughs> <laughs> See, I already was in love with you, and now I'm in love with you even more. And, you know, I'm looking forward to reading your book when it comes out. I'm well, looking forward to whatever collaborations exist between Permission to Kick Ass and Break Your Bullshit Box. Yes. Um, at the recurring same...
1: segment, recurring segment. Yes,
0: exactly. <laughs> um, and I did the same thing. My book came out on August 23rd. The first time I held it, it was like tangible and amazing. And I was like, oh. um. My book coach, bless her heart, she had all the best intentions, was um, telling me about all the things and the steps that I should do and I might not make up by that deadline. And I was like, I don't think you understand that deadline's not optional. August 23rd was the day my dad died 22 years ago. And mm-hmm. this day was, this book was coming out on that day. If it didn't yeah. come out on August 23rd, it was coming out next year on August 23rd. And so yep. I was like, your choices are to support me in making the impact I want to make with this book, knowing Mm -hmm. it's coming out on August 23rd, or support me in waiting a year to put it out because releasing on a day other than August 23rd isn't an option. Yep. And so I love that you drew that hard line in the sand. I don't care about bestseller status. I don't care about any of this, which everybody has different definitions of success. Mm -hmm. What a great birthday present to yourself.
1: Yeah. I mean, by all means, if you want to buy it during the launch window so that we can, you know, get that Amazon algorithm algorithming and hit the bestseller. Great. That would be the best birthday present. But to me, the more important thing was getting permission to kick ass out there into the world to stop operating in fear, which I can sink into just like every other human being and go, oh, my God, they're going to hate it. But no, like publishing the book was the important thing. Trying to help one person is the important thing. I'm 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 happy. I'm nervous. I'm so excited. I'm
0: <laughs> I can't wait to read it. I'm looking forward to it. And Thank my you. last question for you, if you had one thing that you could immediately instill in anybody um, and they would know it and understand it and be able to act on it, what do you want the world to know?
1: Mm, you can figure this out. Mm. You can do the hard thing and you can survive way more than you think you can.
0: I love it. Angie, thank you so much for coming on the show with me today. I don't know where time went. It was so incredibly (laughs) fun to talk to you. And I'm really looking forward to a continued relationship and friendship.
1: Yes. Thank you so much for having me.